And good morning from a very snowy Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and welcome to All Things SR Podcast. Morning, Leslie. Are you there, Leslie? I don't hear you. Good morning. How are you? There you are. (laughs) I was wondering. Oh, just crazy. Just crazy after all these years. Yes, I know. It's a good thing, though. We wouldn't have you anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. This week I have the echo. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what I can do here. Uh, go into um, your website page and, and make sure that the sound is off on that. Just click it. A little Xbox. So you'll be okay. So anyway. So it's been an interesting day here, an interesting week. We have lots of yes, snow tell today. Us. It is, I'm thinking of all our friends. I have a feeling we might not be hearing the Black Lab Lady today. Nope. Uh, in Maine, they're getting pummeled. All that, uh, I think from New York City all the way up the coastline, it's going to be um, crazy. Uh, blizzard conditions. I know where my family's house used to be on the Jersey Shore, they're expecting over a foot of snow. And for a beach community, that's an awful lot of snow, considering they don't do snow plows. But in any way, at least I'm, I'm in, you know, we work good here, although Little Miss Pumpkin is having a conniption because I got up this morning since my a wonderful dog got me up at 6.30 this morning and I went out to let her outside and the snow has flown in on the porch. So I've got like, you know, there's a welcome mat outside the door and it's hit the welcome mat. Mm. And so Pumpkin goes, she gets one foot on the mat. It's shaking it off, gets the other foot on the mat. She's shaking them. Now the back legs are going. So she decides to jump on a porch chair and jump over to the next person's porch, unbeknownst to her, that that has snow on it, too. Oh, my gosh. She <laughs> so, can't escape it. So she can't escape it at all. So, But it's fun. We are having fun. That's all you can count on. I'm just, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of fun things to watch on uh, TV today, I hope. Because I'm not going think anywhere. So. Not going anywhere, that's for sure. I know you have that luxury. Well, you how was it in Philly? You've had a couple inches, yes? Uh, yeah, we have. And it's still coming down pretty hard. Yeah, you're closer to the coast mm-hmm. the, the more it gets. 
I see Brenda is hoping the weather doesn't turn too bad for y'all, she said. Thank you, Brenda. We hope so, too. Yeah. Okay. And I know Allie on the other coast. Mm -hmm. Hoping you have nice weather. I think Betty's going to get hit, too. Anybody, um, I think, oh, she's in the Bronx, so she might be getting hit pretty hard, too. I think they, yeah, Manhattan, I heard last night, we're deploying 2,000 um, plows. Um, they were pre-treating roads uh, last night. And um, I know I have a friend who lives southeast of Boston, and she said they were expecting two to three feet of snow. She's almost near where the height of the storm is supposed to hit. Mm -hmm. um, my friend who has a place up in Newport is saying, they were calling for one to one to two feet yeah. in Newport, Rhode Island, and storm surges. You know, that's the other. Yeah, that's concern the biggest thing about that they're this. scared. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. yep. Ashley's saying I've been staying in watching documentaries on Netflix and writing, which sounds like a good plan. That does sound like a good plan. Yeah, we're lucky. We had about one to two inches here in central south central pennsylvania so it's really not too bad it's just super cold mm -hmm. um we're in 15 degrees and they were saying it's going to feel more like below three below so um, yeah and brenda's just saying that deb in boston uh, is expecting two to three feet and it's supposed to be fluffy snow yeah yeah I, it doesn't matter whether it's fluffy or wet. It's still a pain <laughs> to dig out of. Yeah, although fluffy is a lot. It's a lot easier. Easier. Although mm -hmm. I don't know Boston. Usually Boston does not get the fluffy snow. Usually they get the no, I think hard. This, I think this so, storm they will be. I, and, I hope that's the case because the heavier stuff is horrible. And after this storm moves further up the coast, Florida's going to get hit with some really cold weather. Miami with a feel like temperature of 17 Fahrenheit. Oh yeah. So. Yep. I... That's going to be, it, it'll be, it's an interesting weather pattern. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> so. That is true. If you don't have to go outside, don't do it today. Absolutely. Stay in, snuggle in lots of good books to read, lots of good shows to watch. That's very true. Very true. So, shall we get started? Yes, I want to hear about the news from SR. Well, our news from SR, he's, he's actually penning a special love letter, his annual Valentine letter series, uh, for the True Story book blog. And uh, it'll be posted in February. And I can add that because I don't think I sent that part of it to you. I have the link. Yes, okay. I have the link I can okay. put in. Um, actually I'll write in what he wrote us mm -hmm. and that way, um, he is, he's done this in the past. Um, he always likes to give us a little special gift, um, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year here, um, around Valentine's day. That's so true. the link is to true story book blog and, uh, it gives you, the you can go and search. And, yeah. And the link has, it goes all the way through to page three. So, mm -hmm. But that's all the news so. that he has right now. I'm, I, you know, I know that he's writing. Yes. And rehabbing he has his shoulder. 
And uh, Ellie is saying Central California is mild, but it's dark and I'm still in bed. (laughs) (laughs) And her her son has his first inter-percussion competition today. Though our area was like 25% positive COVID rate right now, I was exposed again Wednesday by my student teacher. Hope you have a mild lay in in the snow today out east. Yeah, COVID is so weird. Yes. Yes, it is. I will be very honest with you. I have not, I've been sick this week and uh, scared to death that it might be COVID. And I've been taking tests almost every day just to make sure. I took one right. when I first started. It's, I basically have the flu. So, which is not horrible. Which is not I was going to say, the flu is no joke anyway. Um, but, and of course, you know, I've been putting off getting the flu shot because I, we were going to Boston in November and we were doing Christmas and I had other things going on here. And, and, and I was like, you know, if I, if I, I usually do get a reaction to the flu shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, I'm just going to hold off on it. So now I have it. So we're good. Yeah. Well, I, I. I find, yes, Brenda's saying, oh, Pam, feel better. Everybody is hoping that you can. Um, I found it interesting. Uh, you know, I had my booster a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was scheduling my mammogram um, just to, you know, just for, to be a good good patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, not- they had noted that after you take, your booster, they will not schedule you until four to six weeks out. So we mm-hmm. waited six weeks after having the COVID vaccine um, because uh, there could be e- extra activity around your lymph nodes um, from the vaccine. Oh, that's, that's true. And, it would and show I think up. that was the same. It's probably the same with the flu shot, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. So it's something I never even thought about. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting little side note. So mm. no, I've been waiting to get, I, I was also waiting to get my shingles shot. So I'm going to. I still haven't done that yet. No, my husband had his last week. Good. So I was like, oh, I need to do that too. So anywho, we have chapter 46 this week. I know. Um, we're back after having our little sojourn. Um, to anniversary land last week with uh, Gabriel and Julia celebrating their 11th anniversary. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun, actually, guys. Um, I liked our discussion last week about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're turning our attention back to the book as we remember when we covered chapters 44 and 45 um, the week prior and the intruder... Uh, surprised the Emersons, mm-hmm. and it was Julia who saw him in her bedroom going after the holiday painting, um, which must have been just sheer terror for her to kind of wake up and see this person in her room, um, this very large, imposing person in her room. Now, so, did you, did you ever have your house broken into or a place you were broken into? Um, 
thankfully, no. Um, we had our car broken into, mm-hmm. but it's, and just even that alone is a horrible feeling of violation. Oh, yes, it is. I, I, um, uh, well, I had a, a apartment I lived in many years ago was broken into. Mm-hmm. And you walk in and you're like, you're, you're, you're like, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. You don't feel comfortable. You don't feel safe. And you're going around checking to see if anything was taken. And I had a couple things taken. Nothing majorly serious, but still, because, you know, I was a poor working girl at that point in time in my life. Well, but it's it's still a violation of your privacy. It's how did they get in? And it's unsettling. It is very unsettling. Here they uh, cut a uh, screen out. Oh my gosh! And uh, that's how they got in. So yeah. Well, and and you know, uh, prior to the beginning of this chapter, you know, this intruder came in. Uh, Julia screamed. Um, the intruder ran, Gabriel woke up, he was down at his desk sleeping. He ran after him. Um, he, he was going after the intruder. They had a scrap. Um, and then, you know, luckily nobody got hurt. Claire was safe, but it was really, really unsettling. So they called the police and the chapter 46 begins as the police are at their home and and the chapter begins with Julia thinking how happy she was Rebecca was not there to surprise the intruder um, because Rebecca was a light sleeper um, but she was away to Colorado um, she went there to be with her family for Christmas um, and we asked SR about um, being where exactly in Colorado did Rebecca stay with her children? And he said her Rebecca's family lives in Boulder, Colorado. I was trying to remember if he mentioned that in the book before. But I was like, I'm just going to ask. So I've never been to Boulder. I've been to Colorado. I've been to several places in Colorado. I, I never made it to Boulder. But what a beautiful place it would be to spend a holiday with your family, Um so I think it was lucky that Rebecca was with her family in Colorado because with her being a late sleeper, she's probably the one who would have heard the intruder. Uh, true. And God knows what the intruder would have done to her. Right. Right. I mean, this was a really big imposing uh, thief. Um, so Julia w- was snuggling little Claire. She did not want Claire out of her sight, was sitting on the couch with her. The Cambridge police were scouring the house and the backyard for any clues. And, you know, Gabriel had just been checked and cleared by the paramedics because as you can remember, he, he got, he was struck. I mean, he, he hit some, he, he landed some blows on the intruder, but the intruder also got him as well, right in the sternum. Um, so Gabriel, since he was cleared by the paramedics, has been on his phone for the last half hour. Julia reflecting, um, when she saw him, she was sure he had had a heart attack. He was pale, short of breath. 
um, she must have been terrified. Mm. And the color was now returning to his face. And he was now pacing like a caged lion, angry and frustrated. Um, And I, I know we always talk about loving to see, wanting to see scenes from this book on the screen. I can imagine uh, a Julio having that, having that anger and that frustration with the phone up to his ear, like pacing around. Um, it reminds me of the scene on uh, Gabriel's Inferno uh, at the university when he was pummeling through the hallway. He was like so fierce and so focused. And I, I could just imagine uh, the professor being a pat back and forth being caged and just having this beyond, beyond anger, um, kind of exuding from every pore. So as she's watching Gabriel on his phone and seeing him being so frustrated and upset because, you know, he, he did a lot to try and make sure the family was safe. And the fact that, uh, there was an incident was really upsetting to all of them. Julia whispered a prayer of thanks that her family was safe and hugged Claire just a bit tighter. She wasn't sure how long she sat there, but she was just really kind of within her thoughts. And then she saw a pair of bare feet right in front of her. And (laughs) I love this um, quote and parentheses, parenthetically, it should be noted that even Gabriel's feet were attractive, <laughs> which made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> he had not bothered to put shoes on. He hadn't, he hadn't bothered to put shoes on and was in a pair of tartan flannel pajamas. So he was still, uh, you know, as he were before the incident. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, he, he was so upset um that and obviously he didn't have time to do anything differently um yes and Lori says <laughs> but of course of course even his feet <laughs> were attractive because every inch of gabriel's attractive right absolutely so gabriel crouched down beside julia placing a hand on her neck and he pushes her hair away from her face and He tells her that he's been in touch with the alarm company and that they are sending someone over. And um, I see that Ellie says, that always reminds me of that Gandhi (laughs) professor picture with the bare feet. Oh, Ellie, I know. I love that one. (laughs) I love that one. I know it it, it kind of, it it does, especially when he's in his uh, kind of relaxed at home. Um, I love it. Mm -hmm. So what was so troubling to Gabriel is after the conversation with the alarm company, the company said the alarm was still activated. And Julia was very confusing. How could that be possible? You know, so uh, she's sitting there rocking the baby. And, you know, they're kind of going through what they saw, what happened. She's like, they hadn't taken jewelry or anything. Uh, he hadn't even opened the, the box. And Gabriel also said, yeah, you know, they hadn't taken cash. They had their passports, their electronics, their artwork. Everything was still there. 
So it's very, very, very disconcerting um, because you would think, oh, if it's a burglar, they're just going to grab what they can mm -hmm. see. And the fact that they hadn't grabbed anything, I think would frankly be really troubling and really frightening. Um, so he said the police were currently dusting for fingerprints and Julia told him the burglar was, you know, the intruder was wearing gloves and she, you know, as she's recounting it, she said when she woke up, she saw him with the painting and he was wearing them. And, you know, Gabriel's like froze and said, did he touch you? And she said, no, she woke up and she screamed. That's when the intruder dropped the painting. And uh, Gabriel said he saw the broken glass on the floor when he got upstairs. And uh, he reached out, caressing little Claire's head. And Julia said she didn't think he went into the nursery either because the door was shut and she didn't hear anything on the baby monitor, which thank goodness for that. Mm -hmm. And um, passing, over, passing his hand over his mouth, Gabriel's reflecting on that. And he just thought things could have gone very, very differently. And Julia apologized about the painting. Uh, and Gabriel said, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just happy it wasn't you. And yeah. Julia tugged his hand to sit, have him sit next to her on the couch. And she leaned into him shaking. So, you know, this, you know, it's just showing how completely I think... They were just in shock, and now I think it's really hitting them what happened, and she is really, they both yeah. are really, really upset and yeah, unsettled that, by this. that adrenaline will start pumping when, when you're scared. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Walter's doing right now. Please go lie down, <laughs> boo-boo. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that. And then it just sort of sets in what's going on, and you're like, ugh. I know. It's really frightening. Mm -hmm. So Gabriel's wrapped his arms around her shoulder and, and uh, he said, you and Claire are going to be fine, he assured her. And uh, tears are streaming down her cheeks because now she's allowed to let all this out. Right. And, you know, she said that she had thought that he had had a heart attack. Ugh. He said he just wanted, he just was just winded and that he could use a good Laphroaig right now. Has a <laughs> I know. I could use a good Laphroaig right now, and too. I'll tell you what, last night I was talking to a friend last night on the, and she and her husband got a brand new stove and the people that delivered it said they, oh, we can't, we can't bring it in the house. We can't hook it up. It's an electric stove. So it's sitting on her front porch. You're kidding me. No. And uh, she said, I don't know what to do, whether to uh, to scream my head off or go for a scotch. So I said, go for a Lefroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyhow. So she, uh, she, she thought uh, she'd like to have one, too. But, you know, she's a nursing mother. She shouldn't be drinking Lefroy. But if she had not been nursing, she would have taken him up on that, on his campfire scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. How many of you guys, when you read the campfire scotch, went straight to lobby, the scene at lobby, when he, 
<laughs> gave, gave, giving her the giving drink. her the scotch. I love that scene. Yeah, if, if you don't like scotch, it it can taste rather awful. <laughs> I think scotch is one of those acquired tastes. It really. is very much so. I don't think I've ever come across anyone who first had scotch who was like, ah. Oh. But I, my mother, <laughs> I actually do. I do like scotch. I enjoy it quite a bit. But I, I like, as I, as I say to uh, my girls, I, I do enjoy the spirits. <laughs> well, my mother was not a Scotch fan because I think she had gotten, gotten drunk at one point in time in her early adult life and it just did not sit well with her. Anyway. Mm. Which any alcohol will do, like rum yes. for me. Yes, for my husband, it's Malibu. He had a whole bottle of Malibu coconut rum. He cannot even smell the stuff. I can't either. He had a very bad experience (laughs) when he was a young lad. Yeah, so, well, that was, that's what I got hit by a car I was drinking with. But anyhow. (laughs) Well, Brenda, Brenda noted with the Laphroaig, the finer, the better. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Although, you know, she's talking about nursing mother. I When I first brought Patrick home from the hospital, my aunt, uh, my dad's sister said, come stay with us for a couple of days while you get your, you know, get your strength mm-hmm. back. Because I had a C-section. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, this one night, Patrick, I, I couldn't nurse. He wasn't, he wasn't getting any milk. And, you know, like it's your first baby and you're like frazzled and your hormones are crazy and. <laughs> she brought me in a glass of warm milk. Unbeknownst to me, in the milk was a shot of scotch. <laughs> uh. And uh, it calmed us both down, actually. So <laughs> it that well, you know the the old ways. They used to, you know, even use. Uh, Scotch or whiskey on the gums when there was teething mm-hmm. and issues. It and... works. It works. I, yes. I, I, that was another wonderful night with my son when he was getting his molars in. Well, and Ellie noted uh, regarding Scotch, she said, I take one for the team with Scotch. She said, only for nostalgic Gabriel get togethers. <laughs> uh, and she said, and then my husband will finish the bottle. <laughs> so. I love that though, Ellie, because that also is a way to uh, that your husband can participate in the glory that is uh, the Gabriel series. That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, he gets the he gets scotch out of it. I think it's a good deal. Hey, go for it. So anyway, she's uh, she's repressing his laughter, so because he doesn't want to upset her. And uh, saying that he did not have any Laphroaig, but he would get her something to drink if she wanted. And she maybe later. Mm-hmm. So Claire is stirring a bit and Gabriel offered to take her, but Julia needed to hold her. Well, but, yeah. So then I can just imagine, like, she did not want to be separated even no, for a second. Not at all. Mm. So the policeman, uh, one of the policemen called into Gabriel and asked him to speak. So they went into the kitchen. So as Julia continues to rock Claire, it's three o'clock and all she wanted to do was go to sleep. And mm-hmm. but she didn't want to sleep there, especially with a disabled alarm and the broken Dante Beatrice painting upstairs. And we asked SR why was Julia reluctant to go upstairs when the house was full of police? 
And he said he thinks it's a case of this kind of home invasion. Neither Gabriel nor Julian feel safe in the house. But they certainly don't feel as if they can pr protect Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, um, and I'll put that in the chat box so you can see his response. Um, it's, I, it's like what you said earlier, Pam. You know, when you have that kind of invasion, um, it's very unsettling. It felt mm -hmm. unsettling, even in the in aspect of our car. This was a situation. Um, one of the doors was unlocked, so it wasn't like a smash, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But just seeing that things were moved, it was very unsettling. And it, it is, is very, I, and I couldn't, I remember thinking, I can't imagine how it would feel if someone did this in my house. And you would just not feel safe. No, not um, at all. And especially with the alarm system apparently not being disturbed, yeah, I just I, I just think it would be a very very difficult Absolutely. situation to be in. Absolutely. Um, oh, and I'm reading. Ellie said, "Yep, let me read my romance, and you get the scotch after I hang with my fellow friends." Mm -hmm. Larry says, "That sounds fair, Ellie. I think it's a good trade." <laughs> so. Gabriel was in the kitchen with the police officers and he told them that uh, the intruder came in through the garden and hopped the fence across the yard to the back door because he left footprints in the snow. See, it was snowing in Cambridge then. Yep. <laughs> and when, <laughs> when Gabriel saw Julia rocking back and forth, he suggested that she lie down and he would take Claire. She told him she didn't want to stay there another minute. Gabriel scratched his chin and suggested they go to a hotel. Do you want to pack? But she didn't even want to go upstairs by herself, which I don't blame her on that either. Oh, yeah. So Gabriel said he would go with her, but wanted to tell the detective where they would be, which Julia couldn't care less what the detective was. She just wanted to get out of the house. But So he took Claire in his arms, apologizing for falling asleep at his desk. And uh, Julie assured him that she was okay, but she needed to get out of there. Gabriel called the Lennox, which is a beautiful hotel in Boston, if you've never seen it. Yes, and I'm putting the link to the Lennox um, in the uh, chat so you can enjoy. Uh, just looking at the initial picture, you're, you're mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd feel much better going there. I'd feel, I feel safer already. Yes. So he was going to call the security company and let them know they were leaving. And Julia felt that it was a little bit, a little too early, too late. <laughs> so. Right. I mean, I I think, you know, at this point she's, she's done. You know, it's oh, three in the is. morning. She was terrible. She was woken to a terrible, terrible scene, terrible fright. Um, and I want to know how this intruder tripped the alarm without it going off. Well, yeah, I, I'm really curious how that happened, especially if he's entering from the back. I know. I had a job once where I had a, I used to have to use do the alarm to go into the my office. Mm -hmm. And one day, my we had moved offices, and my and I went to open the go in, and I'm pushing my button, you know. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing would happen. Finally, the uh, police showed up. <laughs> uh, and my boss called me and he said, 
I forgot to tell you I changed the alarm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, that must have been unsettling. It was very interesting. I I had a similar experience the, that I tripped the alarm at the YWCA of York when I worked there. <sighs> and I was scrambling to find a number to call to be like, they don't have to come. The police doesn't have to come. Like it was. I know. I, you know, and, but it's, it's these two cops are standing next to me, both of them holding their guns. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, you know how, like they kind of rest their hands on the, on their, their pistol or mm-hmm. their guns when they're, yeah. So that's, I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. So, anyway. well, I know, um, that Julia's just ready to get out of there. Calling the Lennox is a really good idea. And if you click on rooms, mm-hmm. um, it's really sweet because it's almost like little, uh, you'll, you'll see, um, there's a beautiful little baby with a beautiful smile. And I'm like, Oh, little Claire. <laughs> it's not good, obviously, but it was very cute. And um, I'm, and I'm sure that he's getting the best room. I, I get, you know, oh yeah. If you, you know. look at these rooms, um, you can almost, uh, you can almost guess because it is Gabriel, um, that they are probably either in, uh, the penthouse suite or the back base suite. They even have a Judy Garland suite here. So that must be where, uh, Judy stayed. And, um, just beautiful, beautifully appointed, gorgeous, um, gorgeous location. Honestly, I'd be like, yeah, I think I need to stay a couple more days, honey. Um, it's, it's stunning. So as they're getting their things together, Julia was in the closet pulling things to take to the hotel um, Gabriel put a still sleeping Claire into her playpen. And I love the fact that Claire slept through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, she's kind of blissfully unaware of how, how much, uh, stress and activity happened that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as he put her down, he said a silent prayer of thanks. Uh, he was really grateful. And I, I was, I was struck that Julia earlier had said prayers of thanks and that Gabriel also now was saying prayers. I just thought that was beautiful um, that they were being so thankful that nothing else happened. And I, I love that they reached out through prayer to mm-hmm. express that. Mm-hmm. And he was walking to his nightstand and stepped on something. And you can imagine, son of a, you know, he's yelling. Mm-hmm. And he lifted his foot to see what he stepped on. And Julia asked if he was okay, and he assured her that he was okay. Um, So she returned to packing, and Gabriel bent over and picked up what he had stepped on. And, oh, I see Betty. Miss Betty just joined. No worries, Betty. Hello, Betty. The weather's kind of crazy. we, I didn't expect to see you. I was hoping that you had, uh, there was no power outages or anything crazy like that. Um, of course you walk, you came in right as uh, Gabriel's starting to curse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, you know, 
he just stepped on something, started to curse. He bent over to uh, see what is exactly he stepped on, you know, if it was some kind of mm-hmm. tie tack or cuff link or something. Lego, <laughs> which are always fun to walk on at three in the morning. Exactly. But I think Claire's a little young for the Legos. That's true. <laughs> Unless it was uh, his Legos, which I don't think so. Yeah. Being, being uh, Gabriel. So he's, he's, he said to Julia, it's fine. You know, he's just bent over to pick up what he stepped on. And it was odd because it looked like a small statue. Um, it was grotesque a small two-headed bust with a skull on one side and a face on the other. And the letters had been carved on, into it. O mors quam amara est memoria tua o death. O death, how bitter is your memory. So that was how it translated. Um, now let's think about this. They just had, a, they just had this home invasion Mm-hmm. They were just starting to process this. They're super upset, heightened, heightened alert, very, very frazzled, getting their things together to go to a hotel so they didn't have to sleep there. <laughs> and yes, Betty, he was not, at least uh, Gabriel was not cursing at your sweet call. That yeah. is true. Um, so this was definitely not a Lego. And I can imagine he's seeing this small piece of sculpture and he's thinking, how and what, how did this get there? Gabriel knew it was not his or Julianne's, and he picked it up with a Kleenex. The objects uh, like this, these small statues, had been popular in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance as a reminder of one's mortality. Um, and, you know, being the professor, he's thinking through this, the full line is, oh, death, how bitter is your memory? Remember, you must die. And this is this reminder of mortality. And the piece was finely crafted and very, very old. Um, To his, you know, uneducated mind, it seemed to be a museum piece. Um, So he's sitting there thinking about this and kind of processing what this is. And yet Betty said, question, is this the moment when we all join in song? We don't talk about William. (laughs) (laughs) I believe so. Yes, Betty, I I do. Because, you know, this is just an odd situation. The fact that he stumbled upon and stepped right on (laughs) this very, very old, uh, small sculpture. So Gabriel wrapped it in more Kleenex. Um, he was thinking, um, since the Cambridge police were unlikely to keep it, he pocketed the piece. Only one person could have dropped it in his mind. And so he put it in, you know, had it in the Kleenex put it in his briefcase and where his laptop was. And, you know, now he's mulling over what exactly happened here. It's possible it could have been put on his nightstand as a warning, mere inches from his head. Mm -hmm. 
and it could have dropped on the floor accidentally from that. Um, or, or whoever came in could have dropped it in or out of um, the house. Gabriel elected not to share the discovery with the police. And this is how the chapter ended. Yeah. So there was a lot that happened in that little scene of him stepping on the stepping on this because he was processing a lot and he was making a lot of decisions and short of withholding evidence from the police right and and we asked sr about that why did gabriel withhold the evidence does he feel he's above the law and sr said i think gabriel wants to conduct his own research because he believes this is more than just a house invasion mm -hmm. so he and he oh. also put a link in Yes. Well, we're, we, we, we asked about this, um, you know, what inspired him to write about this small sculpture? You know, is there anything, um, you know, how did he choose this or select this? And he said these pieces are called Memento Mori's. And readers can learn more about the Memento Mori's here. And so I'm including the link. <clears throat> and on chapter seven, or chapter seven, on page seven of this link, um, there is a picture, and I'm, I'm getting the link in here right now. Uh, there's a picture on page seven. There's a picture of the Bailey piece, which was the inspiration behind this inclusion in the story. And the item itself and its message is a clue. So you're gonna to wanna to check that out. Oh, we have our three quarter time show. And you know, so, and, and I was gonna read a little bit about the Memento Mori, um, sure. if, if we wanted sure. to share that. But what were you gonna say, Pam? I'm just looking at the picture, middle, evil, mid, middle ages people were weird. Super, <laughs> superstitiously weird. Yes. I mean, when you open this link and you see the picture of this thing, you're like, what? And, you know, it was on a chat. They wore it on it. You wore it on a chaplet, mm -hmm. which is a small rosary bead. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. Anyway. Well, and I thought it was interesting that, I mean, this article... So this also makes me wonder if he had a chance to see this or if he came across it. This article was about an exhibit that was at Bowdoin College uh, Museum of Art um, in Maine. Mm -hmm. And shout out to Elena, black dog, black lab lady. Um, so instead of the expected pace, face of a person, when you flip the image, you get death, explained the curator of the exhibit and it's a message you if you to never forget you are mortal remember that death in the end levels up us all um and it's doing that through the winking irony of a luxury good is what the professor said so um if you go to, like i said if you scroll down you'll see the one that actually inspired sr um the, the notes were saying the memento mori objects like these peaked around 1500 
and they evolved from a tradition of the dance of death. Um, one of the most famous depictions was in the 1463 dance macabre frieze at St. Mary's Church in Lübeck, Germany. Um, sadly, that church it was lost in World War II bombing, but it was a vivid mural of cadavers cavorting with people from every class painted life-size so that viewers felt present in this chain of vitality and death. It's a prominent motif in the Renaissance. A youthful couple on one side of the ivory and a skeleton in the reverse. So it's future and past. Um, so I think it's, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of saying death is the great leveler, right? And no matter what your status, lives could be short. Mm -hmm. um, and we all have this human experience of life and death. Um, and I was noticing that a lot of hospices are now, have become more aware of these as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and... As you noted, Pam, sometimes they were designed as prayer beads. Some of the ivory pieces um, were part of things called kunstkammers um, or home collections um, that kind of help you explain the world. And a wealthy person could have very odd, expensive treasures, but embedding these small acknowledgments of mortality communicate that they recognize their life is short and, you know, as the professor said, they allow the owners to almost have it both ways, Parkinson added. So this uh, Chicard Bailey pendant uh, to a rosary or chaplet, two sides, what the one that was inspired this particular sculpture reference was made of elephant ivory sometime between 1500 and 1530 in Paris, with traces of polychromy, um, and there was a whole long list of purchases and donations um, that allowed the support of this uh, particular uh, memento mori. But it really is, honestly, though, the artwork is stunning. The amount of detail mm -hmm. is... Um, no, Amazing. It, is. it is. And, you know, the, and so this. You think, they think about this, it was all hand-carved as well. Mm -hmm. But, so Ellie yeah. Reed is saying, I think it was definitely Williams' man purposely leaving a warning for Gable to look yes. out, out, Professor. And does that mean, because William is after Gabriel, or also a warning of Julia's health, or both? Right. That is a good question. Right. Or is he just trying to also remind him that he is not, you know, almost, almost like a trying to, trying to remind him that he is not as, as great as he may think he is. I, you know, and, and Betty uh, said that the, she wondered if the piece fell off of Lucas' hand when he was in the bedroom trying to get away. Or did he intentionally leave it behind? Right. Now, we did ask that of SR, by the way, but he didn't answer that question. <laughs> no, I, well, 
and, and you would it would have uh, been a winky face absolutely <laughs> you know because the you know luke is a human being luke is not a vampire mm-hmm. and it, you know and it, it poor kenzie must think i'm an absolute nut because when she sent me a message or she sent a message saying it was luca and i was like you know what about my day doing whatever i was getting ready to go to bed i was watching something on tv and probably about one o'clock in the morning it dawned on me and i said you're right (laughs) (laughs) so she must think i'm a really because luca was protecting uh raven right in florence so anyway. well, and he, but he's all, he had been dispatched, you know, and, and Betty noted Luca is a giant and mm-hmm. Lori said, that's what I wondered, Betty, you know, whether or not the piece fell off of Luca's hand or if this is something that he wore, you know, maybe he wore this as a, as a pendant or a, like a talisman talisman. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, 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 tend to think it might have been for a warning. I feel like it might have been a warning too. Because you know huh. and I'm I'm going back and reading the prints on some of this stuff and it it just because this is right between the prince and raven and I you know he William was going through the war with the with the Venetians and all this craziness that happened in in the prince and uh it's before before we you find out that the uh, pictures have been stolen. And I'm sure that William found out somewhere along the line that, you know, you know, Gabriel, you know, Gabriel put the uh, stuff up for, to be exhibited and William saw them. So he's now going after him and he's visited, he's visited William a couple, or Gabriel a couple times in Florence and, and uh, got really ticked off at him. And William, or, I can't even think today. I'm sorry. Gabriel is, is I think he's got a, a sense of, of the paranormal, too. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I think, you know, it would make sense for William to make, to send this message mm-hmm. because he also knows Gabriel could receive it and understand it. I mean, I, I did laugh a little bit about, you know, SR making a comment about him being untrained or uneducated in these relics because he knew quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think I took that as not being one who could authenticate it, not having that level of expertise. But um, the fact that he knew what they were mm-hmm. and he knew they were kind of uh, something from the Renaissance, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is this is Gabriel's course of, of study and his passion. Mm-hmm. Um, that period of time with Dante. So um, I'm sure he's heard of it and come across it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I, I find it interesting that I, I still kind of go back to the whole thing, though, that he did not hand it over to the police. But I'm also now... Yeah, and Ellie said, yeah, it could also be a way of humbling Gabriel. Well, and that you said it much better. That was my intention of how he's trying to communicate that, Ellie. That was the word I was looking for that was missing from my vocabulary. Um, it might be all the above, right? Mm-hmm. And Betty's wondering if it was intentional or not. And it could be that he was 
that Luca was going over to the nightstand to put it on the nightstand and when it was because he was startled by when um, Julia screamed. He right. It could have just dropped and he wanted to get out of there as fast as he could. Or if she's right, or or even maybe he didn't even have a chance to try and place it. He just threw it over there. <laughs> I have to leave it here. No, I'm sure he I'm sure, but I bet that's I bet that's it. Mm-hmm. I bet, and, and I bet that's why it fell because he was trying to get it there, and it just <laughs> it just went by the wayside, so yeah. to speak. Anyway. Yeah, but I think obviously Gabriel's going to be able to research it and get even more info. But I, 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 I also find it interesting that he didn't share that with Julia. And if I, yeah, because they, I, now they, I was thinking maybe he was going to share it with her after, after the night when in the next morning, but you know, she's like, are you okay? You know, it's almost like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, yeah, I bent over and I find this 15, you know, this piece of sculpture from the 1500s. That is, I think a warning. I, th- I, yeah, I think he was just trying to appease her for because she's so upset at this point. Well, it's it's his protection mode, right? Yeah. His protective yeah. mode. But he also, you know, they also have that agreement about sharing things. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there was a little bit of a, a little tension there mm-hmm. between communicating with her and protecting her. True. But I mean, this is also her course of, I mean, she may be able to help solve the solve the puzzle of that sculpture, too. Well, that's very true, but we will find out, won't we? I know. In chapter 47. Mm-hmm. Betty said, do you think the police would take the moment, the memento seriously? Um, I think that they probably would have taken it for fingerprints, for... Um, just to kind of get an idea of what it was, but I, as far as the meaning of the of the memento mori, I don't think so. And maybe that was a piece of it. Um, maybe that Gabriel knowing that there were going to be no fingerprints on it because the guy had gloves on. Maybe he was thinking it's not going to be um, really helpful in this to. I don't know. Or he said the police would not take it as seriously as Gabriel. That's true. It's I I think that's true because it would have ended up in an evidence box somewhere. In a a, you know, and unless, and I'm not saying the policemen are stupid or unintelligent or anything like that, but it's you know it's not something that a policeman, in his normal course of every day would know yeah. would know to notice this thing and what it could be they would research though i mean they would do their the due diligence would. to try and the you know to try well yeah i think the detectives would but i i don't i don't i i, I do think it would end up in it just figuring that mm-hmm. you know they wouldn't need I don't know. They wouldn't really. I don't know. I don't know. So, anyhow, 
I have been noticing that my internet is starting to play. So yes, I, I I was hearing some beeps, and yeah. I want to say hello to Karina, um, who just joined. Uh, we we're just talking about chapter forty-six uh, of Gabriel's and <laughs> I almost said Gabriel's Inferno. Gabriel's <laughs> Promise, <laughs> uh, and we're just talking about some of the. Uh, activity that happened after the intruder um, broke into the house and disrupted their slumber. Um, there's some interesting links in the chat box if you want to go back and see um, the hotel where they were going to go stay and also the Memento Mori, um, the piece of small piece of sculpture and the actual image that inspired SR to include it in the scene, um, which I thought was really interesting. And yes, Betty. Betty says, I'm just glad Gabriel and Julia are not involving my sweet Paul. Keep my precious safe and sound. <laughs> I would venture to say if Paul was around, he would also be very upset um, that this happened to the Emersons and would try and do everything he could to help them solve the mystery as well. I'm sure he would have, for Julia's so. sake and for Claire's sake. Exactly. Not as much for Gabriel's. <laughs> no. But, you know, we can't have everything. Yeah. I think... So. I, I, I think... Um, I, I think Gabriel's going to make a couple phone calls and start doing research on his own on this uh, sculpture that he stepped on. I think he will. I think he will. We'll have to see next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, same bad time, same bad channel. Always exactly. Always loved that line. <laughs> I, I hope loved you guys watching Batman as a kid. Anyway, <laughs> Betty just said, "Haha, you made me laugh." <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it was. Yeah, we know. We do. We know how Paul. We know how Paul feels, Betty. Absolutely. I love the fact that you represent him every time. Mm-hmm. Got to. Mm -hmm. he, need, he needs to be represented. Yes. So, so I am leaving well, us today. What is our musical selection, Pammy? Nassim Dorma. Mm. Which, by the way, I heard on um, last, last weekend, I was up at Phil's house and I got his turntable working. And it had about 15 years of dust on the needle of his turntable. Um, turn a dough with Maria Kala. Mm. singing, and it was gorgeous. So anyway, uh, so here, here you go. Have a great week, everybody, and stay safe. Keep warm. Keep cool. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>